I don't know if you're uh, in a relationship or not, uh, male-female relationship, and have experienced anything like that. Uh, sometimes when we're kind of together, uh, whether it's a dating relationship or marriage, whatever, you're saying one thing, they're saying the other thing, they're upset by one thing, you're saying what in the world is going on. But almost every relationship is like this in one way or another. It doesn't matter who it is, whether it's a spouse thing. And, and the thing is, relationships change over time. And so you might get married at a real young age, you know, you're 19 or whatever, and you're like, I don't care if we live in a cardboard box, whatever, I love you. And then you end up uh, getting older and you're like, we live in a cardboard box, you know, and it's like, it's like, you know, because, because we change, our lives change and, and all these things change. And so, and if you, in ministry, one of the parts of my job is I get to hear a lot, a lot about the relationships that you and other people are in and kind of how they're working out. And a lot of people come to counseling for all sorts of different reasons. And oftentimes what it is, is a, is a breakdown of a relationship. And it, can, and it can be due to a whole bunch of different things. Sometimes, like I was saying, you just, it's just life stages. It's, it's, you know, everything was going great. And then, you know, you kind of have a, maybe an empty nest uh, season and that's different. And so the relationship has to kind of adapt to that. Or maybe the, the marriage is going awesome. And then, uh, you know, the baby comes and we weren't expecting a baby. And now there's all this stuff and now there's financial pressure or whatever. Maybe you buy a house or may, maybe it's not even uh, spousal. Maybe it's just friends. You know, you've been friends with this guy or this girl all, you know, ever since you were three years old. And it's like your blood brothers or sisters or whatever. You got a secret handshake and a song and all this kind of stuff. And then somebody discovers boys or girls. And it's like, what in the world? We said we'd never, ever like, you know, there's cooties. We were the cootie patrol. And it's like, yeah, but really? Okay. I, I wouldn't mind getting me some cooties, you know? So it's like, it's like we change. And so it, it can, it can be parents, you know, where you have this relationship with your son or your daughter and they, everything's going great and they start getting older and all of a sudden, you know, they're in their teens and now they're a teenager and you're like, what? And, you know, and it's like Tasmanian devil or whatever, or, or, or you're a kid And your parents all this time have been going great, great, great. Everything's great. And all of a sudden their marriage starts falling apart. And you're trying to think to yourself, what, what have I done something? What's going on? It's it's just uh, oftentimes these relationships uh, break down. And um, sometimes you marry a selfish jerk. (laughs) You didn't know it. And all of a sudden you're going through marriage and you realize, man, this person it's really not that cool. And you've got to deal with all those types of things. And there's just nothing you can do about it. You are doing everything you can. And you just have this partner that's just not living life the way you'd have them live. And this is it. And you feel stuck. Almost every relationship I know of, whether it be friends, parenting, whatever, husband and wife, uh, father, son, son, daughter, all this kind of stuff, all, all that stuff at some point or another has a breakdown. Sometimes it's just that the relationship gets stuck. Well, what happens if that happens with your heavenly father? 
you know, we can look at that video and we can see, you know, all this and kind of find. And when I talk about relationships and I talk about, well, people change and times change and all this, we all can kind of relate to that. We can all relate to maybe a friendship where we were just right on and all this kind of stuff. And it begins to break down a little bit or maybe a marriage or maybe something with our kids or what have you. But what happens when all of a sudden you get stuck with your heavenly father? Your relationship with God starts to maybe get derailed. Maybe the thing you signed up for with God, he's not actually performing the way you'd expect it. Or maybe you're not performing the way you had expected you'd perform. And now you feel shame and now you feel disconnected and all this kind of stuff. I've had the privilege... um, Uh, One of the privileges of being able to preach on a Sunday morning is spending all week in the word, kind of just going over uh, what we're about to discover in the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, I started thinking about because I had a couple counseling uh, things I had to do this week. And I started thinking about what if I went to counseling, okay, with God. Like me and God, our relationship starts breaking down and we show up to a counselor and I'm trying to tell this counselor, you know, why the relationship's not going very well and God's given his side of the story and I'm giving my side of the story. And I started just laughing to myself, thinking about the different times I've been with people and all this kind of stuff. I I was just thinking about, you know, you're in front of the counselor and the counselor is like, okay, John, you know what, you know, so you don't. You know, things with God aren't, aren't the same way. No, they're not the same way. This isn't what I signed up for, you know. He never changes. You know, he just, he's always the same. I want to go, you know, it's, it's, it's time. It's these new times now. I want to move on. I want to explore and try new things. And, and he, he doesn't ever change. He just, it's always the same thing over and over again. You know, and the counselor's like, God, you know, what, what do you, you think? You know, you want to defend that or what? And God's like, I don't, I don't change. I mean, it's just who I am. He knew it when we, when we started this covenant relationship together. He knew I didn't change. That's what he was counting on, you know. Or, or you know, you get into, you know, you know, God going, well, I've got something, you know. He doesn't trust me, you know, with his finances. You know, we have separate bank accounts or whatever, you know, whatever the thing is, you know. And I'm there defending myself. I do too, you know. And I've got something, you know. He's always invisible. Why can't he just show himself? You know, it's like whatever you want to, whatever you want to pick. At some point or another, your relationship relationship with your heavenly father, there's going to be times where you experience situations, you experience things where it causes you to question and go, wow. Now in a relationship, a typical relationship, that's, that's fine. You know, some of us don't have the same friends we had when we were three years old. Some of us don't have the same friends we have in high school or college. Thank goodness. (laughs) You know, some of we, we move on, but when it comes to a covenant relationship, Like a marriage where you are promising, I'm going to stick with you no matter what. Or a covenant relationship where I go before my heavenly father and I say, because of what Christ did on the cross, I'm giving my life to you. When things start to be difficult in life or things don't go the way we plan, that's a little little different. So what I wanted to do this morning was I wanted to look... At this idea of what is it like to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father? And we're gonna, it's going to be a little different service uh, towards the end. And so 
Um, we're not going to spend too much time in the scripture. We're going to leave some time for some other things. But one of the things that you see when you're in counseling or counseling someone or whatever is this ability to be able to listen. I mean, oftentimes, and you've probably discovered this in most of the relationships, if you're the type of person that is, is, is waiting for your next thing, your next artillery to launch, and you're not listening to the other person, most likely that relationship's not going to move forward. And what we'll see as we enter into Deuteronomy is this idea that God is saying, listen, hear, pay attention to what I'm about to say. Okay? So we'll start off in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. And it says this, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you and observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Now let me just give you a little bit of background of what's going on. From the beginning of when God created humans, his ultimate plan was that he would be in relationship with them. Now think about this. For some of us who've been in around church and around the Bible for a long time, we go, yeah, I understand that. But think about that. God Almighty, the God of the universe, God all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God, the omniscient God, wants to have a relationship with you. Which can be kind of like, whoa, (laughs) I... Okay, but I'd like to kind of have access to him whenever I want. I don't really want him kind of like invading every part of my life. That's what he wants. And so what he did was he created mankind and he put them in a land, the Garden of Eden. And he told them to take care of that land and multiply. And I'll have a relationship with you and you'll be in that land and I'll bless the land and prosper the land. And we'll have this relationship a God and his people In this land that I will cause to flourish, you tend it and take care of it, and that'll be it. And so God used to walk in the cool of the day, and he talked to to Adam and Eve. And then sin came in, and it broke that, and they got kicked out of their land, if you will. And and, and it, it went on. And then what God did again was he talked to Abraham, and he made this covenant and said, Listen, okay, with your ancestor with, with, with your children and grandchildren we're going to make a people now the nation of israel and you will be my people and i'll be your god and you will have a land again that i will cause to flourish i will cause to bless and so that happened and then god uh, the, the, they rebelled and so the egyptians took them to kind of teach him a lesson. And God finally pulled him out of Egypt and said, Okay, are you ready now? Here's what we're going to do. You're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. You're going to have a land. We're going to go for it. Ready? Go. And so they left Egypt and they get to this land. And the land is awesome. It's got giant fruit in it and all this kind of stuff. Everything's giant. It's awesome. It's a, a God calls it a land flowing with milk and honey. You and I wouldn't use that. Uh, you know, you'd say flowing with Red Bull and whatever your drink of choice is. You know, right? right? That, that, it, it's just awesome. It's awesome. Chocolate rivers, you know, for some of you. Uh, you know, you like chocolate. Okay, anyway. Beep. Reel it in. All right. And so... And so that was the whole thing. And so they get right to the edge of the land. And the people go, well, let's send some spies out and check it out. You know, make sure everything's cool. And that, the, you know, the, the giant grapes don't explode or whatever they were trying to work out. And so they go and ten, two came back and said, 
Let's do it. This land is awesome. God is going for us. He's going to take care of us. He's going to fight for us. We got it. Our land, let's go. And 10 of them went, have you seen the size of these guys? They're enormous. They're going to wipe us out and take our children captive. And they're going to just take, they're going to obliterate us. And so the people said, we'll just stay here. We're going to settle. We like the relationship with God, but we're going to come just short of full commitment. And when you read that section of scripture, you go, ah, it's almost heart wrenching. When you see that they got so close to what God had for them. They just needed to trust him. Want just a few more steps. But probably two weeks max. They just, if they could have just trusted him for two weeks, they would have had the whole thing. And it would have been their God, their land. And, but they didn't do it. So God says, I'll tell you what. Since you guys had no faith and no trust in me, you're going to wander around the desert for 40 years. Until all the people who are worried about your sons being taken captive, we'll let them take that land captive. And so that's what happened. So what Deuteronomy is, as we get to this verse, is Moses finally getting back to the land. And he's got all this stuff to say. And when you read Deuteronomy, you're like, didn't you just say that? He repeats himself over and over and over again on these different themes that we're going to go over this morning. He just keeps going over and, and he bounces all around. It's kind of like it's kind of like talking to your kid right before they go to college. And, you know, you've got all these years of, of stuff you've said to him over and over and over again. And then you're driving to college and you're just talking everything you can possibly think of, you know, and, you know, don't invest in junk bonds. Don't get, I mean, everything you've ever, ever learned, you know, you're just telling them, you know, everything you can because they're going to be on their own. And you're just like, oh, man, you've got to get this. I don't want you making mistakes that you're going to have to own for the rest of your life. This is where Moses is. So. He says, these are the commands, decrees and laws. The Lord, your God directed me to teach you and to observe. In the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Now watch. So that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God. As long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. I want you to see the heart of our heavenly father for you and for me. See oftentimes when we think about a relationship. When it starts out with these are the commands, can you imagine you come home, you know, you've had a long day at work, you kiss your wife on the neck and you say, on the neck, whoa, I just went way too far. On the cheek, okay. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. And you say to her, you say to her, these are the commands, right? You don't do that, right? And she doesn't say it to you unless you're kissing her on the neck. That is awesome. You guys are going to, you know, I very rarely get flustered or red, but I am dying up here. That is awesome. I think it's because my wife's right there. And I was picturing kissing her on the neck. Hey. Okay, here we go. So these, 
are the command. The second service, we're going to go through this, and they're going to be like, wow, he's so spiritual. First service is going to be like, that dude's sick, man. He's got problems. He needs to go to counseling with God and tell him he's invisible. That is awesome. Maybe, you know what? Let's put first service podcast up. Let's do it. jean Vier, let's do it. Okay. So anyway, you don't come home, kiss your wife on the cheek and go, these are the commands I have for you. You know, it's already, it's kind of a unique relationship with God. Because these commands to us, to you and I, commands sound restrictive. They sound like, well, what kind of relationship is that? It's like commands. But watch, watch. These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you and to observe. In the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Now watch. So that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God. As long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life. I want you to see the heart of our heavenly father for you and for me. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so when he has commands, when he has laws, when he has regulations, when he says, you'll be holy because I'm holy, he knows. And look at the result. So that you may enjoy long life. Not so that you may, so I can say no to everything you want. That's not the point. God designed us. He created us. And he's walking with us saying, this is the way I want you to go. And so that's what he does. And he wants this for our children and our children's children. And then he says this, and he goes to this whole idea. Listen, hear, understand this, Israel. Be careful to obey so that what? It may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey. Just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Now. This land that he's talking about, we th- it's hard for us to get it because we don't have like a land. I mean, we've got the United States and some could try and make the jump that this is God's country and this is the land. It's not. It, 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 it's just we're a bunch of Christians here trying to live out being the people of God that we can. But the plan always for God was that there would be a people... That would live life in such a way that the surrounding nations would look and go, wow. The idea was that these people would possess the land and they'd live according to these laws and these decrees. Something that the other nations had nothing like. And that they'd look and they'd go, this, these people are awesome. As a matter of fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses goes over this and he says, listen, the idea is that we'll possess this land, we'll be obedient, and the nations will look and they'll say, man, who is this people that has a God so close to them? And, 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 and these laws that are so wise and look at them. See, the idea of a people of God was not exclusionary, like here are the Israelites and nobody else. The idea was that these people would live a life so close to their Heavenly Father that you couldn't help but notice the change that was happening in their lives. And those nations were invited to join. Okay? So he says, this is the covenant relationship that I had. The lamb flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. It's like a marriage. It's like God stood there with Abraham in this covenant relationship and said, this is the deal. I'm, I'm going to hold up my end of the deal. 
that there will be a people that I, that I, and I will be their God. So this next verse is kind of a big one, okay? He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one. Now, a couple things real quick. In antiquity, no other people group had one God. They had several gods, and the gods were in charge of different things, thunder and lightning and rain and all this kind of stuff, and they were battling. If anyone who took Greek mythology has a pretty good idea of kind of how those cultures thought. They, they, there was a sea god, and if anyone drowned, it meant the sea god took them and all this kind of stuff. So to have one god was really risky. Because if you had a bunch of gods, you could kind of, if one god was angry, you could go to the other gods and say, hey, this one's angry with me. Can, you know, can I give you some offerings? Can I do all this kind of stuff? And then there was all these different kinds of temples and temple, uh, you know, idol worship and all this kind of stuff. But to have one god. The other thing that was so bizarre about this is it was their god. It was a relationship Whereas the gods of the other cultures, they didn't care about people. Whatever. Just don't make me angry or I'll zap you with a lightning bolt or, you know, whatever. And some people's theology even today is that way with, with God. I mean, it's like, oh boy, I don't want to do the wrong thing or he's going to get me. And, that, and that's not the heart of our Heavenly Father at all. As a matter of fact, as we keep reading, we'll see that more and more. But he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, here's the other thing I want us to understand. I just, just don't want to blow your minds or anything, but just think about this. You ever think that God has a personality? Again, you're like, what? A personality? Like, like he's life of the party? Like, like, what do you mean he has a personality? That God, God feels things? That, that God can get angry? That, that he, can, he can be passionate about something? Now, listen, we, we often feel uncomfortable assigning kind of human emotion to God because our own human emotion oftentimes is out of control. And we're thinking, oh boy, you know, if God, you know, uh, let's hope God doesn't, you know, all of a sudden just fly off the handle. But that, that's not our Heavenly Father. But if you ever think about the fact that, that this relationship actually goes two ways. That we can, we can please Him. That he could have the emotion of, I'm so proud of you. That at some point, the God of the universe might look at you in the eye and go, well done. Great job. This is the relationship God wants to have with us. So he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Is very personal. Israel's God is a person. He loves, he gets angry, he's pleased. So then here's what he says. And this next verse is what we're going to kind of meditate on a little bit. Because it, it kind of gives our end of the bargain. If God is going to love us, if God is going to give us kind of a way of life that brings favor and blessing to our lives, what's on the other end of it? What's our deal? Now, be very careful because this next verse isn't something we do to earn his favor. We already have it. It's not to earn salvation. That was done on the cross through Jesus Christ. This is how we have this full, rich relationship with our Heavenly Father on a day-to-day basis. It says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. What makes you, you. Like the depths of who you are. 
Even as I look out over, you know, knowing pretty much all of you, just at how different each of you are and the conversations you and I will have that are radically different. If I talk to every single one of you after service, we would have a different conversation. There's not just one conversation. This is the soul. This is who you are, who I am. God says with all your heart, all your passion, all your soul, everything you are and all your strength, everything you can muster. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Now, like I said, I've had the week to go over this and to think about this and to be in my car and just kind of meditating. What, what does it look like to love God? Even as I was joking, if me and God were in counseling and God were to go, you know, to the counselor, he doesn't love me. And I went, I do too. You know, I, I, you know, what would I say to defend myself in front of the counselor? You know, I've, I've, I've given up everything. I gave up my job, uh, uh, you know, and I'm a pastor now. That, that's got to be worth something, right? I mean, okay, I, I've given you money. I've, uh, uh, I pray. I mean, I pray every day. I, you know, and, uh, you know, whatever. I just started thinking, what is that? What if I took that to my wife? I said, I love you. Every morning for 10 minutes, I talk to you. I mean, what, what, what else do you need, right? If it's right on a, I wake up, have my cup of coffee, we chat and, you know, everything's cool. I've given you some stuff. You know, that's good. You have 10% of everything I earn. Go ahead, baby. Yeah, you can have it. It's all yours. Right? I mean, it's like, what the, like, I, what, what, what is it? Now, here's the thing. I don't have the answer for you. I wish I could give you five, read your Bible, pray, get into a small group, and then you're going to fulfill, you're going to fulfill that. I don't have a nice, tidy thing. This is between you and God. What does it mean to love God? You go to counseling, you and God, and you say, of course I love him. Here's why. What comes out of your mouth? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Now watch, this kind of gives a little bit of insight into how it plays out in our lives. He says, impress them on your children. In other words, this is something that needs to invade your home. Okay, now for those of us who don't have children, it would be the same thing. I mean, this is kind of your day-to-day just... Your job, neighborhood, all this. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you uh, sit at home. It, it needs to invade your speech. When you walk along the road, you know, just on your, on your day-to-day travels, when you lie down and when you get up. Then it goes a little farther. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. There's this idea that God wants to be invested and invaded in every single part of our lives. Is there a part of your life you're holding back? Does loving him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength fit in a box? Let me put it this way. And again, it's going to look different for all of us. When's the last time you risked something? Every covenant relationship, every relationship that's important involves risk. Even a dating relationship 
you know, it's cutesy, batty eyes. And then all of a sudden, they're like, so have you had any other relationships? And you're like, huh? Nah. What do you mean? <laughs> you know? And they all of a sudden, have you had another boyfriend or girlfriend? Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know boyfriend or girlfriend i mean whatever i mean we were married for a little bit but it didn't really work out and they were weird anyway so it's like all of a sudden you take a risk of opening yourself up all of a sudden you say hey just so you know i'm on prozac and it's been a good day today but i don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring all of a sudden oh really you know you know all of a sudden you begin to go farther and farther and farther down the road revealing more and more of your heart getting to open up more and more and more It's risky to be in a really great relationship. And so oftentimes you can look back over your spouse relationship, dating relationship, friend relationship. And all of a sudden you begin to say, you know, I I need to tell you about my 20s. And you begin to open up and that person, you're open for rejection. It's in every relationship. This is what God's asking for. He's like, "I, I want it to, I want it to come from every part. I want you to give me everything you've got. Everything. So he goes on and he says this. He's kind of giving him this little, almost everything up to here in Deuteronomy is this reminder about how God's been invested in these people. I mean, he's just like going over, he goes over the whole story of everything, Egypt and all this kind of stuff. And then remember he brought you quail and it was a fire by night and a cloud by day and all this kind of stuff. He's bringing them all these things. And he says this, when the Lord, your God brings you into the land, Swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then you'll eat, and you'll be satisfied. Now here he comes. This is the most important part of it, okay? He says, be careful that you don't forget the Lord. Be careful you don't forget how he ransomed you, how he rescued you, how he saved you. Do you remember? David calls it this. He says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Do you remember when you were first saved? Anybody remember that? I remember, I remember, I was saved 17 times. And, uh, and there's four I can remember uh, very vividly. The, the other 13 was just probably for something I did the day before. But, uh, just that overwhelming sense of just his mercy and his grace. And I could almost feel him. Well, one time my wife and I were at this thing and, and I, I felt like he was on me. And here the guys are looking at me like, cuckoo, right? But I loved it. I, I loved it. And it's like, God, it's like God in here is saying, guys... When you get to the place where you're just, your life is being blessed because of, of you just, you're just going for it for God. Don't forget what got you there. That this life you have in him, this freedom and this mercy and grace and forgiveness and all this, this, this came from God. You didn't earn this. You didn't build this. You didn't do this. God did it. And this particular thing is going to be really, really important as we go into next week. But this is where he's coming from. He says, don't forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And then, he, and then here's what he says. He goes on. He says, fear the Lord your God. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. And then he gives this particular warning. And this is a warning. And this might be where you are right now. Your relationship with God might be stagnant because of this next verse. 
It, it, it might be that you're just kind of sitting going, man, I don't know what it is. I, I, don't, I don't feel things the way I used to. I don't, I don't see things. And, and again, our relationship with God isn't all about feelings. But you know what I'm saying. It's, just, it's, like, it's like things seem to be winding down or stagnant or whatever. And here's what he says. This is the warning. Now, now again, listen to the heart of God here. What does God want for you? We read about it a few verses before. He wants you to live a full life. He wants you to live a life, again, not without trials. They're going to come. Not without, you know, need. Of course you're going to need. Not without things that happen. We live in a broken, fallen world. But he wants you to live life to the fullest with the power of the Holy Spirit being the, being your, your, uh, the wings that lift you up. So he says this, do not follow other gods. The gods of the people around you. Don't get sidetracked by stuff. Don't get sidetracked by the things that you think are so important. Now, listen, imagine, this is what just blows me, about, blows me away about Israel. Israel saw God do the most amazing things you could ever imagine. Parting the Red Sea. Every day, bread would fall down from heaven. I mean... You and I, if we're honest with each other, would go, okay, I could, that, I'd like to see me some of that. Like, let, let's just go outside and see, then that would really help my faith. I mean, if I could see some bread falling down the sky uh, or, a, or a pillar of fire by night, uh-huh, that'd be cool. I'd love that. I mean, if I'm honest with God, I'd be like, hey, you know, I'm a pastor. I wouldn't mind seeing a little pillar of fire, a little cloud, cloud coverage uh, during the day on my balding dome. Yeah, that would be nice. I, I'd like all that stuff. Even they who saw all these things kept turning to other gods. It's almost like it doesn't matter what you see or what you experience. God's heart is, guys, you, it can happen to anybody. Just like I talked about in the beginning, it doesn't matter what relationship you have, how great it is, any relationship can come under fire if we're not careful, if we don't guard it. A marriage is a good example, but God's talking about the relationship with him. Don't follow these other gods. Don't go after those things. He says, for the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Uh Uh-oh, see? Now he's going to bring some fire down from heaven, okay? He's a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he'll destroy you from the face of the land. (laughs) I mean, it's like, for some of you, that's how you picture God. For for some of you, you, you're doing the right thing, because you do not want the fire to come down. You think, if I don't do everything right, the right way, then it's going to go down. Here's Here's what God's saying. What does he say? He'll destroy you from the face of the land. What does the land represent? It represents relationship with him. It represents just being in the peace of his presence. It's not that he's going to, you know, snap your leg if you tell a lie and that'll teach you all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, no, no. Don't follow after other gods. Don't go after all that stuff. Keep my commandments and then you'll begin to operate in a life that transcends this world. You'll begin to operate in a life that has a kingdom perspective. 